always then find out our foundation back into what this show is truly about. Revolutionary hoodoo, New Orleans voodoo, secrets and recipes. We stand on the shoulders of mighty ancestors. We stand on the shoulders of mighty ancestors. We stand on the shoulders of mighty ancestors. For without them, you would not be here. We would not have our physical being. We would not have our presence right now in this moment in time space in the world. We stand on the shoulders of mighty ancestors. Indeed, we get up, we rise up with the sun, and we acknowledge our head. We acknowledge the powers that rule the day. But we then humble ourselves to those who came before us. We then humble ourselves to the ancestors and the ascended ancestors. We acknowledge Big Mama and Big Papa. We acknowledge father and mother. We acknowledge brother and sister and cousin and auntie and uncle and, and all those who've gone before. Now, you might say, oh, well, I don't quite have my ritual together like that quite yet. But it's in your blood. It's in your blood. I don't care your religion. I don't care your practice. I don't care your tradition. It rises up. It stands up in your blood. Science now backs what voodoo and spiritual practitioners of of every ethnicity have always known, and that is ancestral memory survives in the blood. So indeed, voodoo is not vegan and, and, and vegetarian. That's a separate issue. But without the blood, there's no ancestral connection. There's no ancestral lineage. And indeed, one of the greatest things that that fuels the world, that God and goddess indeed created, uh, Nana Baluku and Mawolisa and Olujumare and, and, you know, all the various names by which we acknowledge the creative forces, Olofi, Obatala, who is said to have fashioned humanity, who is said to have fashioned the, the physical vessel, this clay vessel in which spirit breathes life into. And so whether your ritual is together or not, indeed, for those whose ritual is together, I pray you are connecting at a deeper level. And, and let's not always look at things as out here or up there, God up there and ancestors out here or in the ground. For indeed, we eat, they eat. We drink, they drink. We breathe to create and recreate in a new day. They stand up in us to create and recreate in a new day. And in the ritual calendar of things, we acknowledge Ojo, Ogu. We acknowledge Ose Ogu. We acknowledge the power of not just Ogu, iron and fire and foundation and, and strength and building and creating and technology, but we also acknowledge Oko, productivity, fruiting, 
yielding that which you planted, reaping that which you sown. We acknowledge also see direction, not that Cupid, that little naked chair demon that you might know that shows up on Valentine's Day, but but a mighty warrior who wears skins of all texture, skins of all varieties, who is a master hunter, who is said to be a master linguist, whose arrows are said to be magical and always hit their target, always hit their their mark. So with that understanding, let us apply what we know, what we understand, not just what we understand, but what we understand to active real world right now here in this divine moment in time space, result-oriented work to help us to overcome the issues, the problems, the blocks that indeed we might face today in a modern context, in a this present moment in time. Sometimes we take religion and spirituality and, and, and you know, again, it's out here or it's way up here. It's something that's elusive. It's something that only existed in the smoke and the mirrors and, 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 the, and the illusions of our understanding. But indeed, it is something that shows up in our application, in our demonstration. Greetings, beloved uh, priest, Awolowo. It shows up in what we do, what we say, how we interact with ourselves and with each other, how we interact and connect with nature. Eva, Orisha, greetings, Orisha, beloved. Thank you so much for being here, Matthew Ferguson, Divine Peace. And blessings, happy Friday to you. Be a blessed greetings, beloved, greetings, greetings to the UK. We welcome you, beloved, Alapia. Greetings, everyone that passes through, that stays, Yoruba, Ifa, Toki, Asheo, Ashe, beloved. Thank you so much, Eva Ogun. Yes. What's Oshosi's presence in hoodoo? Um, hoodoo occultism, again, direction. Oshosi is really about direction. We, we attribute all this imagery and symbolism, you know, and particularly from our Western uh, Lakomi influence, Santeria influence, you know, uh, voodoo influence understanding. Uh, but these symbols, these implements, these cast iron vessels, indeed, are also em- symbolic. I wouldn't say emblematic, but symbolic of greater principles and ideas upon which we first want to clarify and crystallize uh, in your head. Because, for indeed, if, if your head doesn't allow it, it, it can't then produce and manifest. So that cross crossbow that we like to use to symbolize who and what Oshosi is in, in America is really about direction and clear direction and applying that direction, whether we're talking about uh, career education, how you earn your living, your home lifestyle, children, relationships, families, you know, 
how we deal with conflict, how we deal with uh, uh, despair, and how we deal with negativity. And again, we must be clear, like Quartz Crystal, at the head, at the third eye, at the consciousness level. I use various words so that I can intersect and connect with everybody that's in the audience that's listening, uh, hopefully to, to create greater understanding. Um, and, and when that's clear, then we're then able to use the tools the tools represented by these great powers, Ogu and Oshosi and Oko, and, and a few others um, here in, in the Americas for my um, international audience. We also acknowledge indigenous spirits of the land in which we were forced to, to then inhabit and rebuild a new life in, uh, in during the time of enslavement in the Middle Passage. So indeed, we acknowledge those what once were referred to as Indian or Native American or indigenous uh, ethnic groups, you know, we've now incorporated indeed even that into uh, not just Hoodoo, but the Black Spiritualist Church um, was the first, you know, strong footprint here in North America of uh, that being applied in the black community from a spiritual or spiritualist perspective. So Ochoci is to help you to, to clarify direction. Now, uh, Ochoci also has a connection to herb, to nature, to plants. And indeed, there are other deities that also stand up in plants. Uh, in Yoruba, that's Ewe, right, Awo. Um, and so, again, there's no Voodoo, there's no Santeria, there's no Lukumi. Uh, I'm going to start saying there's no magic without nature and our connection to plants. Uh, for my friends who are following me and supporting me on Instagram, uh, Divine Prince Ty Mecca on Instagram, um, you saw, as I often do, I, I posted two new varieties of plants. Uh, some of you may have never even seen them before. Um, and so that again is, you know, for those who are indeed learning and practicing and applying, um, what we share here in this sacred space, they get a deeper understanding when I post vegetation, when I post plants, when my sister Wapani posts plants and trees, you know, and, and snails and things. For those who are, you know, applying the tradition. All these things have a symbolic representation, but then also have a much deeper inner application that should first take place at the head and then filter throughout the body. In plain English, it's like taking a pill you don't understand. It's like receiving a prescription that you have no idea what it is, what you got, how the two things work together. But we know people in this culture do it every day. We trust our pharmacies. We trust our uh, food sources. We trust uh, many things uh, about our life that are, I want to say slowly, but are rapidly becoming artificial, synthesized, detached from nature. You know, has man, humanity's footprint on it. 
And so in these traditions, we, we like to garden. We like to be close to nature. We like the ability to identify uh, what lives and exists in nature, much like our ancestral families did for our, for our wealth, our health. And see, when we say wealth, we've got, you know, public figures and, and, and dollars and bling in, in mind, um, drip in mind. <laughs> but when we think about what our indigenous ancestors might have desired, and I don't just mean, you know, the desire for freedom and the desire for liberty and, and the desire for having access to clean water and, and food. That's indicative of humanity. But also that desire for natural and what natural brings to us, the ability to sustain your own food, your own water, your own protein sources, indeed is real wealth. It's not the next gold chain. It's not the next, you know, expensive device. It's not the, the purse or the bag or the shoes that cost thousands of dollars. Indeed, it's about investing back in nature, and nature continues to invest back in you. It's at the very core of what all of these traditions represent and are. So it's not, you know, as my beloved Dr. Zarka shared eloquently before the show began, give entertainment its space. Give creativity its space. Give literature and books and music room to explore creative license. But but let's be clear about what's real, what's true, authentic to to the practice. And, and, and for the reason of, well, why should I care? For the reason of results, results, to indeed attack the problem, the issue, the block, the complications, the dis-ease, to bring health, wellness, to activate all of your physical, spiritual, mental faculties. We've come to understand as a culture here in America that children don't learn well, don't function well if they don't have breakfast. And so the Black Panther stepped in and, and initiated, you know, free breakfast program and and after they destroyed the Black Panthers, we've now recreated that, you know, in a new way. But we have an understanding that people need food to, to not just live and be alive and sustain, sustain themselves, but to grow, to learn, to evolve new ideas, to evolve new information. Um, I like to think in sort of scientific terms. Symbolically, you know, the imagery of, of a download of God or spirit or the universe giving us spiritual downloads, you know, like a crystal, you know, with clarity and, and with understanding that we are able to then stand up and apply. That's not so much science fiction. That, that is indeed, you know, how life works, and particularly for the person who's walking their authentic spirit path. We like to think um, in 2021, you know, well, my path, my rules, my protocols, my projections, and, and, and forget that we are all tainted, if you will, 
by Western culture, Western imagination, uh, Western um, ways of viewing access to the spirit realm, Western ways of uh, viewing spirit and the ancestors and what we wake them up for and what we, you know, desire of them to do in our lives. And particularly when we're looking at Legua and Eshu and Crossroads, from an indeed a West African, more authentic perspective, uh, these were uh, ancestral powers, if you will, that existed in, in, in a village, in a community, uh, in, in an area for the community, the whole of the community, and not just an individual. Um, the, sort of the idea of bringing Legba into the house or around the house or, or into the yard are evolutions in, in, in the Western culture, in the Western diaspora of demonstrations of, of this power. Indeed, it would be at, at the crossroads to, to a village or a compound or, or a community. Lakewood would have been accessible to everyone in the community, if you will. Um, and indeed, there are really profound festivals to acknowledge and show honor to to Legwa that we used to see um, maybe back in the late 90s, uh, going into the early 2000s, um, and then they sort of just began to be blocked and uh, prevented to be shown online. Uh, there are pictures of Legwa festivals that I could post right now that Instagram would block, uh, would censor, that would prohibit. And so the ideology of spirit symbolically connected to phallic imagery is not just unique to uh, West Africa. We, we see it in India, we see it in China, um, we see it in association to crop growth and production, to fertilization, to, to creating and recreating, to planting a seed and expecting some development, some growth to that seed. So there are cultures all around the world where we see phallic symbolism in association with food growth, crop production, um, fertility, um, generating pregnancy. Uh, and again, when we, when we take it into our westernized, tainted context, we, we start thinking of wealth and prosperity and opening and closing the doors on, on, on people, places, and indeed things. And we are quick to associate Eshu Legwa with being a trickster. And I often say the dynamics of that is ego, is indeed ego. It's, it's when we think we know, we understand, we got it, we have all the information we need, which is a very Western thing. I, I can bing it. I can Google it. You know, I, I got this. You know, that's when we get caught in the trap. That's when we trip up. That's when we, you know, come to a crossroads, if you will, with, with life itself and thus have to choose a direction and often three directions. Um, I like to think of, of Lake Bus more protective, but like a generator cord. You know, a generator cord has six sides and a point. So, 
So it's naturally sort of phallic, if you will, particularly if you were looking at single terminated cords, double terminated cords. Some of it has a very phallic-like demonstration. But generators in particular have that flat bottom, either naturally or it's been smoothed out, you know, by a jeweler. Uh, but we call those generators. And so we breathe life into them. We wash them. We cleanse them. We charge them. We give them sun. We give them moon. You know, we smudge them. And, and then we program them with some thought, some idea, you know, something that resonates out into a greater space. Ourselves, of course, in the space that we exist in, but then the, the environment around us, your home, your, your, your yard, your neighborhood, your family, you know, et cetera. So, so we see a, a more um, communal relationship, if you will, to Legba, to Eshu in West Africa, as opposed to how we sort of personalize it here. Now, that's not to say that we can't, for those of us who, you know, been versed in the mysteries of Legwa. <laughs> um, those who received the implements in the mysteries of, of Legwa, um, that's not to say that you can't, you know, again, learn ways of living, ways of being that activate the ability to open the door that you need open, to close with clarity, cleanly, doors that, that you need closed. Uh, but also to remind you to always look both ways and ahead, to always remember that there are three directions that you might go. And there's no this direction is good and that direction is bad, but each direction, each choice that we choose, each action, there's a reaction. So we sort of... Uh, uh, in my understanding, um, sort of re- rely on his powers, his energies, you know, her powers, her energies, um, because labor is not one sex necessarily. Uh, many of the ceremonies that, that I've seen in Africa, um, it's often a woman who is wearing the uh, Legba utility, if you understand what I mean. <laughs> And it's doing the gyrating and the thrusting. Um, it's often a woman who's, who's doing that in, in, in ceremony. Again, there, there's an element of fertility, production, crops, growth. Um, so it's, it's rare that we remove femininity, the spirit of woman, even in nature, from those sorts of, of equations. You know, um, Mother Earth, we say Mother Earth. We don't necessarily say Father Earth. Uh, we say Mother, Father God, but I think to some degree uh, we say that because of Western indoctrination. Um, beloved Hoodoo Occultism was asking me about Nana Baluku earlier today, um, who, who's a primordial mother, if you will, in the farm, um, and also I believe in Airway and many other uh, Igbo uh, ethnic groups. And so she is like how we try to view God in the West and is, is removed and is remote. Is indeed the sky and the universe and the cosmos, you know, is her belly. And so therefore the 
Roa and the Risha and the Umole and, and the Imole, you know, do the work. And we don't necessarily humanize or personalize um, uh, Nana Baluku. Now, however, we've seen evolution in the West. And I mean Cuba, uh, Brazil, you know, Puerto Rico, you know, and you see the many of the Mamiwata-like symbolism, you know, the, the wide hoop skirts. Um, I don't know what's going on with my uh, technology. I just lost my earth can. <clears throat> and you see the wide hoop skirts, you know, the, the, symbol, the mammy-like symbolism that offer, you know, signs of pregnancy, fertility, um, wealth, um, contentment, um, having all that the great mother needs. And, and then having enough to give some away, to offer, you know, some uh, to, to the children. Um, so uh, let's see, be a bliss. Um, yes, greetings, beloved. Okay, Eva Eshu. Eva, say Eshu. <laughs> yes, European Celtic symbolism is also phallic. Um, it can be found all over the world. And some would argue that even in the sign of the cross, um, even if you understand the ankh at a deeper level, there's a phallic portion to the ankh, there's a, a vaginal portion to the ankh, and then there's a portion of the ankh that represents unity coming together, um, the sky meeting the earth, if you will, production, fertility. So that phallic symbol that we associate with Alegba or Eshu uh, is indeed um, uh, found throughout the the indigenous the indigenous world. Uh, greetings, greetings, um, Ujo Wajet. Greetings, beloved. Thank you so much, S. Marie. I welcome everybody's questions, comments, requests. I welcome you if you want to to come on and share with us here live on screen, live on air. Give me a second, and I'll repost the information. I also welcome you to the phone lines at area code 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. And while I'm trying to get myself together, I also want to take this moment to remind you and the fans that Ancient Aliens premiere its next or newest season tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. If you don't know what Ancient Aliens is, and you in this audience, shame on you. <laughs> ancient Aliens, Ancient Aliens, please get acquainted with Ancient Aliens. Um, in a word, it's, it's about aliens and the growing belief that um, they have interfered with humanity. They have interfered with the planet, may have indeed engineered the planet to create an environment to support what we now call humanity. Uh, There are aspects still of our brains that are not understood. There are aspects still of our our DNA structure that are are not understood. Um, There are aspects of how our world um, has come to be 
<laughs> that that are still um, understudied, little understood. And so, greetings, mom. Love you, beloved. Ancient aliens is something that me and uh, my beloved sister Wapani, um, we are just hooked on it. Um, and I know some of you in the audience are as well. Um, so, coldest two sixteen. Um, are you familiar with it and don't watch it, or you just have never heard of it and don't watch it? Uh, I, again, I, I would assume for almost anybody in this audience who has an interest in root work, conjure, hoodoo, magic, um, that you might find ancient aliens compelling. Um, even when they look at the technology of Kemet in ancient Egypt, um, where did that come from, and how did it advance, you know, at such an accelerated rate? You know, what happened to it all of a sudden? Um, and, and why now do we have these great monuments like the pyramids that are still little little understood in terms of their usage? Uh, one of the theories within the ancient alien community is that they were a power source, a generator, uh, and that certain chemicals were poured into the chamber that creates energy that could be shot out into not just the sky and the universe, but utilized to power things like batteries and and, and electricity um, in a way that we may have lost knowledge of over over the centuries, through world cataclysms, through the dark ages, through through wars, you know, and rumors of wars, through religious uh, persecution um, of, of intellect, persecution of, of creativity, persecution of, of talent. Um, so uh, um, it's also, I mean, okay, code is 215. I, I get the whole TV thing, but it's, it's 2020, so almost anything that's on TV is on the Internet. <laughs> you know, uh, history HistoryChannel.com. HistoryChannel.com is where you can find uh, ancient aliens streaming wherever you are in the world um, online. Now, I know it gets a little tricky when you get into countries like Ethiopia, uh, perhaps Nigeria, um, and and there's a great deal of censorship. Greetings, Imani Sankofa, of what they can access online. But when I look at my audience geography map in association with with the show, um, I continue to be just a little bit amazed by who's watching, who has the availability to watch based on where they are geographically in the world. Um, I'm trying to put it up on the screen. Yeah, so... um, Man, Kenya, Ethiopia, Ethiopia uh, imprisons people for putting, you know, information they don't like on Facebook uh, for 14 years. Uh, they have strong social media laws in Ethiopia. Uh, Kenya, South Africa, Cameroon, Nigeria, uh, Ghana, Morocco, France. Um, I'm amazed by the uh the country, some of the countries I've never even heard of in Eurasia that are to the show. Um, I'm just grateful. Bulgaria, Greece, Turkey, 
Saudi Arabia, Yemen, uh, United Arab Emirates, you know, um, it, it swells my heart. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you think um, you're just talking to yourself or, or people are not, you know, hearing, you know, it's just those little things like that that, you know, give me that motivation to get up one more day or at least every other day and try and <laughs> come at you with a new broadcast. Um, but, yeah, it's a great show. It's a great show, and it stimulates every aspect of your mind, history, science, um, metaphysics, quantum metaphysics, religion, spirituality. And if you're like me and, and probably Arisha, you know, and then you want to go and research those things, study deeper into those things, um, and, and it reminds me of, you know, my favorite nighttime radio broadcast, Coast to Coast AM. Well, well at least back in the Art Bell, day, Art Bell days, Coast to Coast was off the chain. Um, it's changed a little bit over, over the decades that Coast to Coast AM has been on the radio. Uh, but it's a show that airs every night on talk radio in, in your town, in your part of the, the Americas. Um, you can access it if you're in another country, again, on coasttocoastam.com. Um, and they also talk about ancient aliens, ghosts, spiritualism, telepathy, uh, faith healing, um, almost any, you know, supernatural and or spiritual thing you can envision. Bigfoot, you know, um, Lugaru, you know, they talk about all of those things. And ancient aliens. Um, I believe it's just sort of a growth of that fandom and that interest. Um, and so they decided there's a way to visualize this. Um, and they focused in, you know, you have to focus in on something, ancient alien in particular, uh, because it covers just about anything else that we can think of. Um, what if indeed our ability to heal to perceive energy in our hands and our body, uh, to see things with clarity with our third eye, is some evolution coached on by alien intervention. Um, I don't want to give it entirely away for those who might decide they want to go in and check it out. Um, yeah, they've been on for 15 seasons, and they premiere the new season tonight on History Channel, historychannel.com. Greetings, Melissa. Uh, Williams on this Friday the 13th. Thank you so much, Crystal Lynn Witt. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you can't replace Art Bell. Art Bell sort of broke it in for me back in the 90s, uh, if I get further evidence of what my age really is. Um, and I would be in, I was in Atlanta at the time, and I would, you know, listen to Adama, Aleji, you know, do her thing, I would listen to Art Bell. Both of those shows aired for about four hours, so, you know, if you had insomnia, like I did a lot back then, uh, spirit would keep me up all night back then. Never could sleep in my 30s, never could get a whole night's rest, um, and so often I would be, you know, counting the hours till I had to clock in to work, uh, but I would be listening to this show. Um, it sort of would keep you on track of what time it is. At the, out, at the top of the hour, they take a break. So you know what time it is, you know the news, you know the weather, you know what's going on. But then for four hours, you know, 
and in some cities they repeat it at the four hours. Um, they're talking about some of the, you know, most deep, deepest spiritual, you know, sometimes wacky things you can just imagine. Greg Carwood, yes, indeed. Yeah, they have Coast to Coast on YouTube. I can, I can imagine the higher side chat. The Dogon tribe of Miley have ancient knowledge of aliens and stars. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, give me a moment on your name. Bibliothrope. Right? Did I get it? Bibliothrope. You're absolutely right. The Dogon, the ancient Egyptians, the Nubians, um, uh, the tribes of, of South Africa, um, the Kwa, you know, um, many of these ethnic groups of these indigenous people, the Mayas, the Aztecs, um, understood that we came from the sky and or had a connection directly to the sky. Um, and so ancient aliens, you know, if I'm introducing something to you that you've never been acquainted with before, uh, it's like Christmas Day, okay? <laughs> I assure you, this will be stimulating at, at every level. And for me, it further uh, validated voodoo and why we see demonstration, real-world demonstration in not just voodoo, but, but magic and other forms of indigenous spiritual practice and tradition. Uh, there's an element to it that will forever be in the spirit realm, will not be fully understood, at least where humanity is right now. And then there's an element of it that will forever be in the, in the realm of science. And science continues to further grow and evolve um, to support many of the things that we believe and understand in voodoo and, and various voodoo-like traditions in terms of our ability to really create and recreate our reality. One of the points made in the earlier documentary uh, before we came on live that I really, really like is the notion that um, with the zombie, there's sort of this idea of, you know, post-life enslavement, post-mortem enslavement, you know, still being enslaved even after death, being, being so fearful of, enslavement of Jim Crow, of white supremacy, of racism, that indeed it is encoded on your DNA, it's passed down to the next generation, it lives on and on beyond you, and the creative imagination of the zombie, you know, sort of represents to some degree the idea of us literally living on, you know, even as, you know, dead people and still somehow being bound to, chained to this, this, this condition of, of oppression and not being autonomous and not being self-determining. Um, in, in Europe, they say Ori. Ori, if my head wills it, it, it is to be. If my head wills it, I can create and recreate any reality, any condition. Um, I've been told I don't talk about my story enough. I don't talk about my struggle enough because I don't like to fuel uh, war stories. I don't like to fuel the idea that we, you know, we should always be talking about how hard it's been and 
and what the struggle has been. But I think the other side of that is um, sort of the idea that you might find your situation to be untenable. You might find your situation to be unchangeable. You might find right now in this moment that you can't see a direction, that you can't see a, a, a way out. But indeed, voodoo and African spiritual traditions really presented a way out for me, and, and, and not just a way to sort of run from, you know, avoid whatever the block, the complication, the issue is, but a way to really become God, to become goddess in, in this clay vessel that we exist right now in this important moment in time space. And to really be able to create and recreate our reality, to heal, to close doors, to, to, to cut off that which is no longer beneficial, needed, or useful to us, but indeed to fertilize new growth, new crop, new demonstration that's in our best interest, that mirrors our best image. Um when you say the history of magical oils and colognes, um, there's always been the idea of libation. There's always been the idea of anointing. Um, it's in the Bible, you know, he rubbeth my head with oil. He anointeth my head with oil. It's in Egyptian culture. Indeed, it's in Mayan Aztec um, uh, cultures. The, the idea of empowerment by way of natural substances, uh, albeit palm oil, coconut oil, cocoa butter, um, the the inwards of certain particular fruits or the concoctions of certain plants or herbs stored. I can just imagine, just based on my own behavior here, um, just living in a world where there's an abundance of vegetation and flora and, and produce and sort of gathering what you're attracted to, not just what you already have knowledge of, but, but an ancestor, an indigenous ancestor, you know, also gathering, you know, large quantities of a flower or a nut, you know, to learn that that product might be sweet, to learn that that product might be useful to learn that that product might be beneficial um, in some way. And so over time, you know, you, you start hoarding to some degree large quantities of seeds or flowers or plants or, or leaves from, from your sage, you know, the flower tops, you know, from your basil. And as your knowledge grows, you learn how to utilize these things in other ways. Um, it's much like being a scientist who, you know, looks at a species, a plant, you know, has chemical um, compositions that they can mix it in and, and swirl it in and break it down and, and, and determine, you know, what's toxic. And, you know, but when we think about that from a more natural perspective, you know, I taste plants, I taste trees, you know, not a whole lot. And, and I don't suggest anybody do it who doesn't really know what they're doing, but I'll taste it, you know, if it's bitter, I, I know right away it's not edible, you know, and, and it might be medicinal and not necessarily edible. And so people started to, you know, collect sweet oils. People started to collect 
you know, magical, you know, concoctions that they found benefit, that they found useful. Um, And so um, I could do a whole four-hour show on just the history of of magical oils and colognes. Now, when you add cologne to it, it also brings sort of this commercialized modern thing into the equation. You know, like your store-bought Florida water and, and, and lavender oil and, and lavender water, um, your Indio commercial products, you know, which are just that, commercial products with a Indio blessing sort of label stamp on it. Um, it doesn't make it magical. It doesn't make it, uh, you know, voodoo. Um, and, and, and we talk about this a lot on this show, who do call it, you know, where botanicas and commercialism and stores, you know, come in. And it's not every store. It's not all stores. It's not always the entirety of every store. Uh, but, but like a novelty shop, you know, you're going to sell what's popular. You're going to sell what travels the fastest, what goes off the shelves the quickest. Um, but but you may also have things that are real or expensive or authentic that don't sell every day. Everybody's not going to come in and buy, you know, a $500 ginseng root every day. So they're going to keep that in the back or on a higher shelf. You know, but the average person, you know, I, I want to connect to the ginseng root. They want a dollar worth of root or $5 worth of root. And so, you know, they've developed the tube of ginseng. Uh, extract. You know, they, they've developed the small pieces of, of ginseng root, you know, um, to, to feed what people want, to feed the need of uh, uh, society. Now, um, when we look at Haitian voodoo um, and Louisiana voodoo, um, the usage of what we might deem commercial products has made its way into voodoo symbolism, voodoo do ritual. And as with anything, we, we as gods and goddesses can imbue anything with the power. Um, there's a, those of you who, who are among us who are, and I'm not singling anyone out, I'm just speaking in general, um, who've been through AA, who've been through NA, who've been through CA, who knows sort of the tenets um, of those rooms. And, and one of those tenets is um, that you decide that you're going to sort of relinquish your um, failing control o- over whatever your addictive issue is and surrender that to a power greater than, than yourself. Um, and, and I'm choosing this as an example in particular because they claim not to be, quote, unquote, religious, um, AA and NA. But the idea of choosing a higher power, and they don't care in in, in that program, they don't care if it's a rock, if it's a tree, if it's the sun, if it's God, if it's voodoo, if it's hoodoo. Uh, But the notion, the idea of uh, surrendering one to something greater than yourself, a power greater than yourself, is also sort of implied in real Orisha worship, the, the, the understanding that all things exist in nature. We have what we need. It's divinely innate and inherent. We're gifted everything that we needed right here on this planet, right here in, in, within our bodies, 
right here within our spirit, but we've been separated from ourselves just as we've been separated from nature um, over time. And so commercialism has sort of found a crack into your practice, into our belief. And so there's a lot of um, usage of commercial oils, commercial sprays um, that I would not necessarily, you know, but you may say, you know, that bottle of olive oil that, you know, your mama or your daddy or your auntie, you know, is using in the evangelical church, you might say that's commercial. But if we imbue something with a power, um, with a force, with a charge, with, with a purpose, now I dare say, this might sound frightening to some people, you know, like my mama, that's all voodoo. That's all witchcraft. Witchcraft is the word I wanted to use. That's all witchcraft. That empowering something and viewing something. We charge. It's right to believe you charge your olive oil with, with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. So we might charge our oil with a particular planetary alignment, with a particular deity or set of deities and or powers. And now you're trusting the preparer. Now you're trusting who who made it. <laughs> and um, a lot of things that people buy in the store, I, I, I don't buy. Um, and a lot of practitioners don't necessarily buy. Um, we, we often make, create, find, produce, reproduce from nature that which we need. Now, some things like your tarot cards, like your crystals, like your, uh, you know, your shrines, your altars, you know, present sort of a visual connection for people, you know, to, to your practice, to your tradition. But again, if they lack knowledge of what that is, how that works, why that's there, um, just like science, then you're now absent from the empowerment of that thing. You're denying the power within that thing uh, thereof. Um, yeah, um, there are many outlets to learn offerings, incense oil, colognes, etc., from from various cultures. We look at India, for instance. Um, they use a great deal of, of oils and, and liquors and liquids. Um, including milk. Um, they, they start with milk, and, and milk uh, is a part of that offering to uh, Shiva and, and the lingam, uh, which, which is symbolic of semen, if you didn't know, and it's symbolic of uh, potency, if you will. So we find Legba symbols all over the world. We find fertility symbols all over the world. And indeed, we find giving power to something or reinforcing the power of something and that then being incorporated into our practice, that being incorporated into um, our tradition. Uh, I have something I want to share with you. It is known to many persons who are not students of the occult that the tarot is a method of divination. 
by means of 78 symbolic picture cards to which great antiquity and high importance are attributed by several um, expertors, um, writers, historians, practitioners um, over the over the centuries. And the literary history of the tarot is also fairly well known. In ancient times, the number 13 became a number of fear and superstition because the 13th card of the tarot is the death card and is pictured as a skeleton, the symbol of death, with a seed. Uh, reaping down men in a field of newly grown grass where young faces and heads appear cropping up on all sides. This image later became known as the Grim Reaper, and it was ascribed to the planet Saturn. In medieval England, the standard fee of the hangman was 13 pence, a shilling and a penny. But 13 is not an unfortunate number, as is generally supposed. It has become so firmly associated in the popular mind with the notion of bad luck that it is easy to forget that the fact that in ancient mystic religions, 13 was the characteristic number of participants in many orders and occult groups, including sacred meals a fact reflected in the size of the original Nazarene Last Supper. And it can be clearly shown that 13 is not only the most cherished number of the United States, but also the most fortunate number for Africans, African-Americans, and people the world over of African descent. But we're going to begin with the United States, starting with the 13 colonies. First national flag had 13 stars, and even today it still has 13 stripes. On the green side of the dollar bill, there are 13 steps in the pyramid of the Great Seal. The motto above the pyramid, which reads Anuit Kopitis, has 13 letters. The eagle on the right side has a ribbon in its beak that bears the motto E Pluribus Unum, which contains 13 letters. The eagle has 13 tail feathers, and on its breast there is a shield of 13 stripes. In one talon, the eagle holds 13 arrows, and in the other, an olive branch with 13 leaves and 13 berries. Over the eagle's head are 13 stars that form the six-pointed Star of David. Now, the phrase July 4th contains 13 letters, and the number 4, 1 plus 3, symbolic of 13. The birth number of the U.S., July 4, 1776, which leads us to the real reason why the Founding Fathers chose this date as the official birth date of the United States. In the occult science of numerology, it is said that he who understands the number 13 will be given power and dominion. And it is a number of upheaval and destruction, a symbol of power which is wrongly used will wreak havoc and destruction upon itself. Astronomically, on July 4th, the longitude of the sun is 
12 degrees Cancer in the heavens. And on this date, the sun conjoins the great star Sirius, whose longitude is 13 degrees Cancer. Sirius is a first magnitude star that is four times brighter than the sun. And it is clear that rules all African people. It was venerated in ancient Egypt from time immemorial and was held in great reverence by the ancient Egyptians because it rose uh, helically, H-E-L-I-A-C-A-L-L-Y, helically with the sun at dawn during the indonation of the Nile River, the flooding, the annual flooding or seasonal flooding of the Nile River, the lifeblood, if you will, of ancient Egypt. Uh, Where's my... uh... Oh, here it is. The Gimme Blog Talk Radio, I had to get a drink of my elixir. In astrological poem, it is said, if the great star Sirius is well-placed in the horoscope, it will contribute to the amassing of wealth and the acquisition of fame and honor. Sirius conjuncts the sun in the horoscope of the United States in the second house of money and material possessions. The part of fortune is 13 degrees Capricorn, opposing the sun and Sirius in the eighth house of other people's resources. These powerful cosmic patterns explain astrologically the great wealth of this country, much of which was acquired through the ignanimous practice of slavery. Cancer is the fourth, one plus three, sign of the zodiac. Uh, And it rules the continent of Africa. It's inhabitants and people the world over of African descent. The moon rules cancer. The moon rules cancer. And it's therefore the cosmic ruler of all African people. The average celestial motion of the moon is 13 degrees per day. And 13 weeks is the time it takes the earth to travel from the equinoxes to the solstices. For example, it takes the earth 13 weeks to travel from the first day of spring, March 20th, to the first day of summer, June 21st, 13 weeks from the first day of summer to the first day of fall, September 23rd, 13 weeks from the first day of fall to the first day of winter, December 21st, and it takes the earth 13 weeks to travel from the first day of winter back to the first day of of spring. 13 times 4 equals 52 which is the time it takes in weeks the earth to make one complete revolution around the sun. And in most years, lunations, conjunctions between the sun and the moon, occur 13 times. The fear of the number 13 is unfounded internationally as well. It is an honored number in many countries throughout the world. There are 13 occurrences of the quantity 13 in the design of the Great Pyramid of Giza in Egypt, the largest stone 
evident ever born. Edifice, the largest stone edifice ever born. In the Indian pantheon, there are 13 Buddhas. The mystical disk that surmounts Indian and Chinese pagodas are 13 in number. Enshrined in the temple of Asuta in Japan is a sacred sword with 13 objects of mystery forming its hilt. And 13 was a sacred number of the ancient Mexicans. They had 13 snake gods. The 13th letter of the English alphabet is the letter M, which finds its roots in the 13th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Mem, meaning mother, which was the ancient Phoenician word for water. The ancient Egyptian word for water was Mu. M is the most sacred of all the letters, for it symbolizes water, where all life began. It is the root of the word mother and relates to the evolutionary destiny of African, African-American people and all people of African descent, which are ruled by the number 13. And also back to something that I, I teach, um, and that is that we acknowledge a four-day moon cycle, not necessarily your seven-day Greco-Roman calendar. Uh, We acknowledge a sun calendar. We acknowledge a four-day moon calendar. And that is indicative of uh, all indigenous people. Um, They they counted days and time and frequencies uh, first but by way of the moon. The, The sun was not necessarily the center. And we also know that indigenous cultures believe God to be woman, believe God to be Nanambaluku, believe God to be this great cosmic female figure that birthed all of creation, subsequently all of humanity into existence. So we see the, the need, but also the power for figures like Mami Wata, um, like Nanambaluku, um, and many others all around the world, the great mother of the indigenous uh, ethnic groups of the Americas, um, we, we find a continuance there um, in connecting the mother, great water, the cycle of the moon, and then, of course, to how we activate and, and operate within our, our spiritual site and usage of our, of our spiritual powers. Um, it depends also, it depends on how you're using that word. Now, and depends on where, you, now some places you cannot use that word. For instance, in Osogbo, Nigeria, they don't use that word. Okay? Um, because Americas, again, have given Osogbo sort of a, a negative connotation. A, a reading in Odu can fall in ERA or it can fall in Ibi, Ire or Ibi. Um, Lukumi particularly started interjecting Osogbo and subsequently many Americans in the diaspora uh, subsequently then followed. Uh, But I was taught that Ire were things that come, uh, a blessing, a change, an opportunity for transformation that comes uh, fleetingly, 
quickly. Um, there's no uh, idea of good or bad, negative or positive, uh, but but an energy that moves quickly, an opportunity to catch a shooting star, if you will, an opportunity to to, to be surprised, an opportunity to have change come in the moment, an opportunity to address an urgency, um, and, and we say earray. And, and often earray denotes something that's peaceful, that's uh, blessing, that's the fix, that's the repair. Um, when we say ebi or sopo, um, the idea is something that might come with much more of a challenge, that might come with some timing attached to it, something that might take time, something you might have to feed, something you might have to repair, something you might have to readdress and, and go at, you know, over a particular period of time, typically 30 to 90 days, um, in order to see some adjustments, some change manifest on the divination board. Now, for those who aren't familiar what what is being asked, we're talking about authentic divination, fa, afa, ifa, palm nut, shell, erosun powder on the board, divination, eroso powder on the board, divination. And so uh, reading can fall on either earring or a soap And there are ways of manipulating implements, shells, seeds, beads, that help us to determine uh, whether a reading is in one or the other. Uh, some would say that that system is also in place to keep a reading from being corrupted by either the client or the diviner. So there's an aspect of the reading that the client does that reinforces whether a reading is in one demonstration or the other. Um, I have learned techniques to address that over the phone and, and virtually. Um, some of you have had me to ask you to, you know, we're going to have a reading, a scheduled reading, and make sure you got your salt and pepper shaker, your paprika, you know, a little bit of sugar, and, and maybe some cinnamon. You know, uh, some of you have had that experience with me. I was trying to determine E-Ray and E-B in, in the course of a reading and, and doing it in a way that's simple, uh, that I don't have to go into the complex explanation, you know, of it from a uh, Yoruba cosmological perspective uh, and just get to it quickly. Um, many of you know my readings are already extensively long. <laughs> I'm almost scared to say that. Uh, two hours, two and a half hours, three hours is not unusual uh, for a reading with me. Um, so the question he's asking helps to determine in, in, in what lane a message is falling on your board. In what direction a power, a, a risha, an emole, is standing up on your divination board, and then how to feed it um, in terms of evo, how to then address it. Um, I don't know what CA is. That California? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, there also lettuce was um, a fertilization symbol in ancient Egypt. Um, um, Hoodoo occultism is saying so. 
how can we get out into nature to reclaim that old voodoo practice like our ancestors? Um, that's a great question. Um, it's a question that we've talked about on this show, time and memorial. Um, so if, if y'all want to hear it, I'll, I'll get into it. Um, you got to get back to nature. You got to get back to gardening. You got to get back to where your food comes from. You got to get back to a more natural, vegan, vegetarian, holistic approach, green approach to how you view the world around you. Um, I'm not here to demonize technology or, or uh, commercialism. You know, this is not necessarily a political show, so we can argue capitalism and, and socialism and all these words that are being tossed around right now in, in the political uh, arena. Uh, but we've got to get back to what's natural. We've got to get back to nature. We've got to get back to cleaning, uh, breathing clean air. And, and indeed having access to clean water. Um, many of us do not have clean water. You know, if you have not invested in filtration and, and or access to clean water, if you haven't made a conscious choice about the source of your water, um, you're not getting back to nature. It's more than just what's coming out of the pipes of your, your municipality where you live. Um, and then, of course, there's that thing. Um, um, there's that thing with uh, where our food comes from. We have too many children. Um, I feel great today, too, beloved fitness girlfriend. I do, too. Um, I did my exercise. I did my walk earlier today. I got my meditation on. I got my herbal concoctions <laughs> in me. I got my low John, you know, on standby. I didn't want to do the whole show uh, with low John hanging out my mouth. I, I, I might sound crazy, but yeah, I'm with you. I feel good today too, girlfriend. I do. Thank you so much, Alafia. Um, yeah, we've got to get back to where our food comes from. Start there. Where's your food coming from? You know, some things right now, you know, you might feel, well, my only option is, the giant, the Walmart, you know, the super shopping store, whatever your box, big box store is. Uh, but then you start going more organic. You you then start paying attention to what's in your food. You you start reading labels. Because, indeed, if we're talking about moving minds, moving consciousness, becoming gods and goddesses, becoming great healers, teachers, spiritualists, practitioners, you know, you got to first start with what are you eating, literally and figuratively. What are you taking into your body? What are you allowing into your ears? What are you allowing your eyes to lay uh, to, to, to take in every day, to process into your soul every day? You know, what are you exposing yourself to? And so we look on the outside and we look on the inside. Yeah, um, beloved in Georgia, real good. That's happening, unfortunately, in many places. You know, they, they kill these grassy areas that have been grassy for decades, maybe, maybe even centuries in some cases. And and because I'm thinking about all that lush greenness that I associate with Georgia, uh, they come in and chop down those those forests. There's a lot of ancient forests in Georgia, a lot of old land in Georgia. Um, it takes 
20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years to grow all those trees. And then they come in and build a duplex, build a new housing complex, build a new supersized, you know, maximum size house, uh, you know, and, and, and we're forgetting, you know, nature. So, yeah, it's a shame. But even in those environments, um, you can still get out in, in many of those environments where there is open area, where there is untouched area uh, for some time, where there might still be wooded area, um, and you'd still be surprised at what comes up. Nature continues to fight back. Nature continues to come up. The idea that some of you, you know, are using herbicides to green up your lawn reinforces what I'm saying. Nature continues to come up, continues to come back. So those herbs find a way to survive somewhere, somewhere else, if, if indeed they're not being, you know, um, forced into extinction. Um, highway regions, you know, have a lot of that untouched area, you know, where you'd be surprised with the medicine and, and herbal plants that might be um, available to you. And gaining knowledge, hoodoo occultism, about what something is. I think that might be one of the more challenging, maybe even scary parts for some people, particularly those who've been sort of, um, yeah, Craig Burns, I was talking about the notion of having a, a, a higher power, something greater than yourself. I was using NAAA and CA as an example, sort of this present-day notion that we're self-contained and we don't necessarily require anything beyond, you know, ourselves. Um, and so getting in contact with something higher than yourself, greater than yourself, indeed that exists in nature uh, is why I was using that uh, as a reference. So, yes, real good, hoodoo occultism, um, finding out, um, thank you, Crystal and Witt, um, how clean your water is and how to clean your water. But, yes, and the elimination of pollution of all, of all types, um, but also how to then regenerate, regrow life wherever you are. Now, you might be in a country, you might be in a rural area, you might be in a suburb, you might be in an in a urban area, you might be in the city. But there's, there's a way. I've been looking at Chicago and Philly and, and New York City and these gardens and these terrariums and these nature uh, preserves, if you will, for lack of better words, that are being created on the rooftop of some of these, you know, heavily structured buildings. Um, of course, if your house ain't designed to hold that weight, then, then you might not be able to do that without a little bit of extra uh, rebuilding. But when we think about these massive structures in the city with all this steel and, and stone um, blocking out the sun and, and, and taking up space, uh, the notion that they're now turning back the clock and, and re-inviting birds and bees and, and uh, butterflies, you know, to come into the city, earthworms, you know, by creating gardens, creating edible landscapes. Uh, my mom would tell you, I've always had a thing for edible landscapes. Um, when I was a kid, I was allergic to grass. 
when my dad would force me to cut the grass. Um, and then there was, you know, the idea that if I tried to, if my mom tried to create a garden, grow anything useful, beneficial, um, he would mow that down. Um, and I'm finding that that's, you know, that's commonality now in the city all across America, even in Treme, even in, in, in New, New Orleans, you know, there's the transplant or the new person or even the local who just can't stand those blackberries, you know, being tracked into their house anymore or just can't stand, you know, the prolific lifespan of banana trees uh, and how wild and, and ferocious uh, uh, banana trees can be. Um, and so they want to get rid of them. They want to cut them down. They want to eliminate. And all the herbicides that are, that are killing the dandelions and the clovers, you know, also make it very difficult for you to create and recreate what's edible in your environment. And somehow I feel there's a conspiracy there. If, you, if you're forced to only get your food from the big box store or from the government, you know, how much power, how much autonomy, how much self-control do we really have? You know, if, if you can't feed yourself, really. So we think of feeding ourselves as having a job and being able to go to the grocery store and, you know, but think about it in a sort of a, a old school way. And, and, and I'm cautious about saying old school because there are people who live that way now in Louisiana, in Mississippi you know, in Montana, in the rural areas of America who get their water from natural sources, from, from wells, who grow their food, who hunt their protein, you know, who harvest. I keep dropping my low john. Who, um, who harvest and uh, manufacture their own honey, their own molasses, their own maple syrup products. You know, and, and it's interesting, it took COVID-19 and, and a shutdown. Um, we have to reformulate our words, lockdown, shutdown, stay at home until the virus goes away. It, it, you know, we, we got to deal with that at a later time. <laughs> but um, it reintroduced the idea of growing your own, having your own, being able to make an, a bread, if, if you like bread. Um, all those things, being able to grow watermelon, watermelon, one of the easiest and most prolific things to grow, you know, and, and fun to watch and to harvest, watermelon, cantaloupe, you know, honeydew, um, squashes, you know, banana, I'm sorry, not banana, uh, pumpkin, um, but it's, again, very specific to where you live, meaning the climate and, and the seasons and the weather of where you live. And, indeed, if you endure winter where you are, um, some things you can't grow until the spring. Some things naturally cannot be planted until the spring. Uh, But there are others that can be uh, even kept like a bonsai. Rosemary can be kept like a bonsai plant in your house. Uh, Some of your herbs can be kept all winter, you know, in, in your house. A good, healthy basil tree might survive the winter. Uh, in your house. So there are many avenues to getting in touch with nature again, getting reacquainted with nature. And again, we look at things as being out here or up here, outside ourselves. 
So when I hear myself say getting acquainted with nature, I'm also hearing getting acquainted with ourselves, with your body, with your spirit, what what works for you, what feeds your soul. Man, it's nothing like fresh, healthy herbs and produce, and it it goes off to your body if your body's not, you know, toxified and polluted. Uh, It goes off to your body, and, and you feel that. I feel something when I eat cucumber. I, I, I feel something when I eat fresh, healthy herbs, when I eat fresh berries off the tree, especially my own tree, <laughs> when I can eat citrus, you know, right off my own tree. Um, and you feel it in your body because it, it doesn't have all that extra stuff that our, our commercial products, our stuff that we buy at the store, have. And so when we start thinking about healing, magic, rituals, and the usage of plants, herbs, bark, roots to bring about change. You know, there's a crossroads happening there with pharmacology and and herbology and spiritualism. Uh, Another point brought up in the zombie documentary is the idea that uh, to make a zombie, it's about concoctions and potions and poisons and toxic elements for from nature, and there's the absence of the spiritual component. There's the absence of, you know, what has to change within a person spiritually to create zombie-like conditions. So when we think about the crack epidemic, when we think about the meth epidemic, when we think about the the whole opioid epidemic, which has been real quiet for the last 12 months, by the way. Um, we haven't heard, think about it. You ain't heard a whole lot about the opioid epidemic that was raging right before COVID. Um, and, and I'm here to offer you that many people have died. Those people sometimes go without a name, go unnoticed, go undocumented, go unreported. But many overdoses during the COVID, many people have killed and harmed themselves. I've noticed even in my own community, I live in a great community safe community, but at the same time, because of our proximity to downtown, to the French Quarter, to the tourist area, you know, um, I'm used to seeing regulars, you know, 8 in the morning, 4 in the afternoon, on their way to go meet their dealer, on their way to go get their stuff together, on their way to go panhandle or whatever, you know, to, to maintain their addiction. I haven't been seeing those people. Almost none of those people, you know, so many of those people have died. Um, when we look at where the homeless encampments typically are in the city of New Orleans, you, you don't see a lot of those people. You, you would like to think that they found a home and someone has took them in or helped them to get themselves uh, uh, together. But um, even when I think of how we view this whole red, blue election thing, um, much of the behavior mirrors zombie-like behavior. Some of these Trumpsters are, are like zombies. They believe whatever he says. They see whatever he says to see. They don't see whatever he says don't see. You know, I, I fear me and my mom and, and, and Rapani had this conversation yesterday. You know, all he would have to say is kill, and they would. They would. These 
Trump supporters would absolutely do do America harm, and, and they're willing to do America harm right now if you just open your eyes and pay attention. And, and they're willing to further a, a, a negative, wicked narrative that we all know is not true, in order to further more of a wicked narrative. How zombie-like is that? <laughs> How possessed? A behavior is that. Um, real good, email me at divineprince at houseofthedivineprince.com. Divine, D-I-V-I-N-E, Prince, P-R-I-N-C-E, at houseofthedivineprince.com. My website is also www. House of the Divine Prince.com. And I'll be more than happy to, to assist you. I've also heard I'm real easy to find in Google. I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but House of the Divine Prince, Hoodoo Central, um, I, I'm, I'm also said to be real easy to find there. And then you can, again, send me, um, send me an email request, and I'll be more than happy to assist you. Yes, I like edible, I like topical, I like smokable, I like, you know, medicinal, I like spiritual. You know, I much prefer life in my yard that's of use. Every plant in my yard, including what you might say, oh, that's a weed, has a ritual, has an edible, has a medicinal purpose. And many have had the privilege of coming and, and visiting the house and seeing my yard and everybody's amazed you know when they see it it's like a, a mini jungle back there but it continues to, to grow and, and evolve uh, but um, yeah I don't have much of a use for plants that aren't ritual that aren't edible that indeed don't provide medicinal value uh, a plant that um, I'm finding that many of you are unfamiliar with in terms of its edibleness is Wandering Jew. Wandering Jew is entirely edible from, from the root to the plant to the flower. It also is, is extremely municipal. It has some components, some elements to it that um, help to fight things like Alzheimer's. Um, so, and we're talking about Wandering Jew. Yeah, that stuff that takes over your yard and it's hard to get rid of. Crystalline wood is talking about poke salad. My grandmother, my mother's mother, would go out in the yard and pull up and, and prepare poke salad. Yes, ma'am. What are my thoughts on chemtrails and AI? Um, I'm not sold on chemtrails. Forgive me, y'all. My door is wide open, and I swore I heard somebody in my yard, um, which would not be a good thing. <laughs> um, I'm not sold on chemtrails. I- I'm just not. Um, 
I'm just not. I, I do realize that we have new technologies um, that are producing pollution, uh, as, as uh, Crystal and Witch talked about. Um, and, and that has to be dealt with. And then that pollution interferes with nature and then produces, you know, new phenomena. For instance, all the plastic in our oceans that, you know, collects in certain regions or suddenly washes up in other regions um, is, is now interfering with, with nature. So I'm not entirely sold on chemtrails. I do understand, especially living in the Deep South, you know, we've had a problem with cancer and toxins and bug spray and, and how bug spray and insecticides have been used um, over the years here, over the centuries here in the Deep South. Um, and, and, and we've had some concerns, you know, about that. AI is another thing, artificial intelligence. And indeed, there is an element of, uh, I don't want to say danger, an element of caution that we might need to take in terms of artificial intelligence. Um, if it's more intelligent than us, I mean, your cell phone is already more intelligent than you. Your computer, your watch is probably already more intelligent than, than you. Uh, you. Your stove. You know, your iron, you know, might have smart technology, computer chip in it. It's already smarter than you. Um, and so there is that thought that we can lose control of our technology and that we indeed can create a technology that, you know, can think for itself, make up decisions for itself so that it knows how to act in our best interest, but you know, there is that sort of sci-fi element to what happens if the, you know, the computers determine that we're a germ, that we're an infection, you know, and then sort of turns on us. I believe AI has already to some degree turned on us um, in the sense that um, we Google everything, being everything, we've lost a connection, some of us, to books to the library, to science labs, to hands-on connection uh, to things. And so uh, I believe one part of our consciousness is being weakened, while other aspects of our consciousness are being further developed. And further developed for what? Um, When I think of all the war games, you know, for all my gamers out there, all the killing and war games and going through the jungle and out of space just to kill, and destroy and kill and recreate and destroy. Um, I think it programs us to some degree for just an alien future, an outer space future, but for one of war and utilitarian rule, um, military-like mentalities. I started noticing it in the 80s with, with labels clothes and, and people, everybody started wearing the same label the same style. Now we got kids wearing the same color. Everybody got on black pants and a white T-shirt. Everybody got on blue pants and a white T-shirt, you know, and, and a very, you know, bland baseball cap. You know, um, so there's an idea of, of militarization, an idea of forming um, alliances. Uh, the word gang 
has been used against the black people in the black community for decades now to sort of denigrate um, some of our, our brothers and sisters who might lack resources, who might lack education, who might lack direction. And so we sort of painted them now with this gang thing. Oh, well, he's in a gang. He looks like a gang member. Um, but what are the Trump people? Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to me when I sit back as an observer of humanity, of people, and see how we form these alliances, vicious alliances. Um, have you ever played with the beehive? You know, I don't play with the beehive. You know, um, yes, we need more um, people working with bees, uh, Matthew Ferguson, for sure. Um, especially in our community. Um, I've noticed that my yard don't lack bees or butterflies. I think it has a lot to do with what's being grown there and what's flowering and and what they can smell. Uh, Think about large swaths of urban communities that lack smell or lack smells that would attract nature. Um, Oh, my, Southside Chicago, Gary, Indiana, some of these places historically have been notorious for how they smell, you know, just coming in, you know, on the highway, the, the chemicals and the waste and the processing and all that's not natural. And our trees absorb and, and clean the air and provide oxygen, you know, that we need. So we need to grow trees. We need to grow food. We need to build many, you know, uh, universes for ourselves, particularly in the case where we might have the unfortunate reality of of having to be self-sustaining. We have the blessing right now to choose to be self-sustaining. When you're forced to be self-sustaining, hence a shutdown, um, then things look really, really different. I'll never be stuck without toilet paper ever again. Ever again. Okay. And indeed, I got my food game, you know, right. But I'm never going to be out without toilet paper again, and um, and I'm never going to be prepared or unprepared <clears throat> to the best of our ability. There's always that new thing that happens that forces us to grow. Uh, do I feel people are being programmed with nano dust? Now, nano dust is a whole another thing. Um, for those of you who are not familiar, nano science is reducing things down to the minimal, creating computers that can be injected in your blood. She's suggesting uh, something that might be an aerosol that you could breathe in. Um, I don't believe we're there quite yet. That would be very hard to do um, wholesale. To affect large, that would be very hard to do. Um, Individually, it could be done, but even that, you know, when we think about um, this whole Russian chemical poison thing and people touching you and putting this toxin on you and, and you dying, um, you know, that takes a lot of work, a lot of planning, you know, to, to make physical contact with enough people. Um, when I think about, you know, how you word your question, people being programmed, um, I, I don't think we're quite there yet with science. I do, however, think people are being programmed uh, by way of food. Your, your body gets used to certain foods. You get used to McDonald's. You crave McDonald's. 
You know, you, you get used to carbohydrates, you crave car- carbohydrates. Um, so, indeed, we're being reprogrammed through our food, through our hormones, through our genes, um, what we eat, uh, how much clean water we're getting, indeed, how much fresh air uh, we're breathing. Uh, the unfortunate reality of urban centers is, is the buildings that have no windows or recycled air, and all the air is going through these systems. And the reality is that if we keep polluting to this degree, um, crystalline width, and we'll all be breathing through a respirator, living in inside enclosed spaces, you know, with machinery to sort of filter, you know, the air. If we don't start making a change, you know, at the personal level, at the in- individual level. Um, so I agree, Shamaki, that we are being programmed. Um, I, I don't believe we're doing, they're doing it through nanodust. Not quite yet. I, I would need to see more science on that one. <laughs> yeah, his supporters are dangerous. His supporters are zombie-like, cult-like, programmed, you know, and, and she's talking about nanodust and how did they program just Trumpsters and not the rest of the family or the community? How did they manage to program the husband blue and, and the wife red? Um, so that would be a little com- complex. <laughs> mafia. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have crystal grid all, all throughout. Um, every, every space that I'm operating in that I interact with, with, you know, and it takes some time to do just like creating a garden, creating a course of, of crystal and mineral tools um, takes some time and some resources. But, yes, I have grids set up everywhere, from the bedroom to the kitchen to the bathroom. Absolutely. Yeah, um, it's a group, some would say a gang mentality, um, biblically anthro. It's um it's a it's a cult like mentality, you know, where Jim Jones says, you know, we're all going to heaven and, and they're trying to to get us and our only way out is to drink this cyanide, to drink this poison, you know, and, and, and we're gonna give it to the babies first and, 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 and then the mothers and, and and it's just, you know, I like documentaries, I do. I like crime stories, I like murder mysteries, but I also like supernatural and I, and I like you know psychic and, and alien you know programming. but just understanding the minds of somebody like a Jim Jones, like a Donald Trump, who can influence people to that degree that their filter is, is turned off not just a little bit, a whole lot. I mean, it's not like one or two things. It's not like, well, just a little bit. I mean, this guy is full on. And people are accepting whatever, whatever he says, whatever he does, whatever he presents. They don't see anything else. And so it's, it's like a cult. It's like being zombified. Shemafia, it is like some kind of forced nano-dust-like programming, it makes you wonder, is it in the water? (laughs) 
And if it's in the water, you know, why didn't it affect me? Why is it affecting them and not me? And and is there some then tricks to biology or how you're built or how you were raised or, you know, it's crazy if you sit and just meditate on it for some time. If you just think about it for some time. Um, intentional crystal grid, absolutely, to project, to generate. Generators are great for that. Uh, crystal clusters are great for that. Uh, but then your tools, single terminated, double terminated, sometimes your twins, you know, those tools you're going to often use more personally um, to, to address whatever you might be um, working working through. But, yeah, I, I strongly suggest the grid. Al is three, on is 13 on the periodic table. Now, beloved Craig Burns, my chemistry and, you know, you lost me with Al. Now, my, my, you know, registry of information connects Al to the Alif um, in Arabic alphabet, but, but then we're talking about the number one. So um, you're smarter than me. I'm, I'm not quite understanding that. Al is number 13 on the – what is Al? Is that aluminum? What is Al? Help me out with that. So Shamafi is already there. So that y'all smarter than me, okay? I'm not. <laughs> and certain subjects I still haven't studied. I've never taken it out of a course. Never. Never, 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 never. I'm clueless about algebra. Don't have any idea how algebra works. So many of you under the sound of my voice are smarter than me, or are more educated than me in in that regard. So y'all lost me on that one. Yeah, I have water uh, purification. I have the ability to catch 100 gallons of natural rainwater. Um, some, some of it is runoff from my house, so it does have to be purified, cleansed. I'm going to have to move it forward shortly, you all. Please forgive me. It's a little something going on out in front of my house. Yeah, we need to be aware with all the vaccines. Okay, I, I hear you, Samafia. <laughs> I hear you. Thank you, too, beloved. Thank you so much for being here to support me and the show. I certainly appreciate it. I'm always humbled and honored. Um, Arisha, are you saying that Al was silver? If that's what you're saying, that's interesting. AI is, I'm confused. Are we talking about, oh, okay, that's what I thought, aluminum. It is an aluminum. But I think earlier when we mentioned AI, we were talking about artificial intelligence, right? See, that's why I need y'all to be on the phone or on camera to help bring some levity to some of these, these subject matters. <laughs> I appreciate you all. Thank you so much. I need to hydrate. I need to get a little something to eat. I need to move forward. I have appointments today. I'm always grateful to be of service to you and yours for your needs, for your healing, for your motivation, for your development. 
Always contact me by email at Divine Prince at House of the Divine Prince. Visit my website at www.houseofthedivineprince.com. All is truly and indeed a blessing that you can just see beyond the veil. Ashe. I'm a little loopy. I'm having a diabetic moment. I need to get something to eat. Peace and blessings, y'all. Congo Square. The Omus Indians. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the almost Indians, they pushed aside our hosts. The colonizers came and pushed aside our hosts and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Le Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow, persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross and capitalism the ultimate triple coup de gras cross of our captivity but the terror of crosses notwithstanding we sang we beat we be we was and is hail congo square congo congo square our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods 
have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums. Heart beat, heart beat, heart beat at this place, at this place, beat, heart beat, beat, we beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk. Our music, the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together. Circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end. Connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, Let's be original, aboriginal, be what we were before we became what we are, be bambula dance, be bonza music, and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember Let us remember never to forget, even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget, even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials, the bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate whip out of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning, a sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still, this sacred ground calls us 
to remember to beat to be beat Congo Square be Congo Square beat be Remember. Yeah. 